It's another Ian Collins wants a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Mirage. In English, we call the number zero, nil, naught, nada, zilch. With three years 0% APR representative finance, plus three years free servicing on a new Mirage, we just call that a great deal. Hey, look, Kev, we start with another letter. Do we? Collins, you seem to love those radio outtakes. But what about your colleagues in the press gallery at Westminster? I'm talking John Craig from Sky News. Did you hear his howler? You mean this? David Cameron will travel to Brussels later today for a meeting with Europe's leaders that was always scheduled for immediately after the European elections, but now has assumed... Oh, f***ing hell. We do apologise for that. Uh, That was a much earlier recording, and uh, our apologies here from Sky News. It's all right, that, isn't it? It's always nice when things like that go wrong. Mm. Craig has got form, by the way. Uh, Mostly in the, I think, Times 2 in the Jeremy Hunt... um, Really? Problem area, yes. <laughs> oh dear. Bless him. It's delicious. Ian Collins wants a word. As is Nikki Campbell. And Nikki Ca- yeah. Nikki Campbell was yeah. a prolific um offender in that respect. Johnny Gould. Yes. The Royal yes. Hunt Cup. I've got that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Write it down. Yeah, write it down. Somebody picked up. Who was that? Somebody know. on Twitter. Somebody on Twitter. Brilliant. For those who remember such a thing, there was a radio station called Talk Radio, which decided to have as its strapline, write it down, as in Ugh. write the name of the station down. And the thing is, the station presented it very proudly, as in, you know, we're proud of this statement, but nobody who worked at the station, with the exception of one man, actually knew what the <laughs> f*** it was supposed to mean. Talk Radio. Write it down. Yeah. The problem with the name of the station was that it was the name of a genre. Yes. It was like calling your station music radio. Yeah. But that being said, write it down. Write this down. (laughs) Go off! (laughs) There's a joke you've not heard in a while. No. Uh, It's questions and feedback via social media, uh, like Facebook and Twitter, via email as well, and also notes scribbled on the back of a 1979 Christmas Beano annual. Nice. From... Bally, the scally from down the alley. <laughs> you could wrap that. Now that the King of Spain has retired, isn't it time for our Queenie to consider that same route and make way for King Edward? Potato. What a potato. <laughs> <laughs> king. Well, it's interesting because King. I don't know what, what what in line to the throne King Edward would be. Oh, I don't know. Would Ch- Edward? Would would Edward would Edward would 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 King? Let's make Edward Woodward the king, the equaliser. He's dead. <laughs> That's very true. It's not possible. No. So if so, you've got William and Harry. No, no, you haven't, have you? You've got William and then his kid. Yes, George. Then you've got Harry. Yeah. Is that right, Harry? That sounds about right. Then now, because now uh, you don't have to go in the... They've changed the order so that you can have girl monarchs and stuff. Imagine. Yeah. Foxy monarchs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now there's an idea. Foxy monarchs. Yeah. David Wallums would be on the judging panel. <laughs> Alicia Dixon going, I'm sorry, you don't make a monarch at all. <laughs> What's your qualification for that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you look, look on your face there, it's like someone from On the Buses. It was just tremendous. We've got to do this podcast in vision one day. Uh, well, it's being discussed, of course. Uh, yeah, I don't, if we're going to have a queen, then let's keep the one we've got, thank you. you and let's not have a Prince Edward. Or a Prince Albert. From... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You considered that once, didn't you? 
What, a Prince Albert? Yeah. No. He did. Never. It's about the time you were asking people on air whether or not you should give yourself a, a shave. And then you start to take it one step further. So should I get a bit of steel, like, rammed in there as well, you know, just to complete the look? I think it was, I think it was mentioned by somebody. But no, I wouldn't consider that kind of case. I don't want silverware <laughs> down there. No, we're not talking about going to the harvester and sticking a fork in it. We're talking about, you know, a, a nice sort of, you know, little... I appreciate you're not suggesting that I dangle a Morphe Richards from there. <laughs> How, nonetheless, I have never suggested that I would go pierced bound. Oh, I'm sure you did. In the pendulous department. Because you used to have a pierced ear, of course. Back in the 90s when everybody did. Yes. And a pierced nose. Yeah, you know, pierced <laughs> I never had a nasal pierce. And you had that chain between your nose yes, and your... Yes, between the nose, which went right down to my testicles. Did it? In fact, yes, you're right. What am I thinking about? I was the most pierced man in the country. That's pretty much right. Not bad. That must have been like a sort of pull cord then. Yes, that's right. That's what it was. Defender Dan writes, regarding amusement arcades, we were talking about these uh, a couple we of weeks ago because yep. uh, of Kenny Thomas. Yep. That's a strange sentence if you haven't heard any of this in context. I have a working Space Invaders machine in good order in my garage. Ian is welcome to buy it off me if he doesn't mind picking it up. How much and where is he? Well, I, he doesn't say, but he's quite happy well, to I sell it to Well, I need to know you. that data, don't I? Well, it's going to be somewhere in the country. Yeah, but if it's in our broth, then clearly I'm not going to go and get it. And yeah. if it's five grand, I'm also not going to get it. It's not going to be five grand. Well, is, what, is he talking about the full-blown arcade now? Yeah, I think he is, yeah. It'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yes, but the trouble with those kind of things is I, I did once buy an, uh, an each-way shuffle fruit machine. Did you? Yes. How did I not... Oh, I did know this. Or did I yeah. know this? Yeah, I think you did, and... It was a long while ago, but I think I've told the story before. And it, there was some guy who was just selling them. They weren't the ones with the big jackpot. It didn't really matter because it was your own money going in it. And somehow bought it. It was only it was 10 quid. Really? And it was in completely good nick. Right. And uh, there was my sister had got married, so she, there was a spare room. And there was a wardrobe, and we took the wardrobe doors off and put it in there. Yeah. And I thought it was fantastic. For about three days. Yeah, well, yeah. And it just got boring. But it, was a, it was a, a, a conversation with some mates came around. They went, wow, you got a fruit machine. What can you win? Well, you can only win a quid. Could win your money. Yes, it's, it's my your, money. It's your money that's in it. It'd be a bit like having your own Penny Falls machine, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't know what happens. Yes, that would be all right. Wouldn't it? My favourite part of those is when you walk past one and it just pays out. Because I wonder people, how many people, times a day that happens in an arcade. I think it depends on the age of the machine. It's two peas and ten peas, isn't it? Who owns the money, then? if it falls out as you're standing by it but have yet to put any money in. If nobody sees you, you do. But if they see you, then they can come and get their money. I suppose so. But then I think it'd be like, oh, got to tie my shoelace or I've dropped my phone. or Yeah, what, what, how much is it really going to be? Do they do it with pound coins now? I've never seen a pound coin one. I've seen 10p ones and 2p ones. They look incredible. It's the grannies who play the 2p ones. The men want the real money, the 10p's. Oh. Want a pound, yeah. right? You look very nostalgic now about, what's the most you've ever won on a fruit machine? I've not been on one for years. I've been on the ones where you could win like a 10 quid jackpot. And I saw one the other, like 70 quid jackpot. Because we used to do quiz machines sometimes, didn't we? In the yes, we if did. there was a quiz machine, we'd have a go. Yeah. I don't think we ever won. I think we won a couple of quid. Uh, but the, the thing is, if there's a sports round, I'm hopeless at it. But our heads are generally so full of yeah. absolute shit that uh, we're able to regurgitate. Like TV, <laughs> films, music, all of that's covered. Sport, nah. nah. Well, you know a little bit. Yeah, bits and pieces. You know. Trivia. But no, if somebody says, you know, what year did Arnold Palmer win? If I don't even know what Arnold Palmer did. It was in different strokes. Wasn't it? <laughs> that's right. He was. Yeah, that's Jeffrey's true. boy. That's him. Uh, from uh, Nelly the Elevator Mechanic in Swansea. 
Nelly writes, Is it true that the next episode of Channel 4's Benefit Street is going to be hosted by you, Ian Collins, along with White D? Can't talk about it. Contractual reasons. Can't talk about it. But is Benefit Street going to be fronted by somebody? Um, All I can say is maybe. Uh, Is that going to be uh, me and White D? Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you how far reality TV has come. Go on. You familiar with White D? No. You have heard of White D? No. I thought you kept up with the popular culture. I've heard of, right, not White D. I've heard of um, Heavy D, the rapper. Yep. Heard of Moz D, the rapper. Uh, Jack D. Jack D. That's it. You're not familiar with the entity that is White D. No. From ben- you know Benefit Street. Yes. And White D has become the inadvertent star of Benefit Street. Oh, right, okay. Book deals, TV. So the <laughs> manner of ironies and you couldn't make it upness attached to this show. So White D is seen as sort of a bit of a mother hen of the street. Uh, it's suggested by some that she's donking on once a fortnight down at the benefits office. Uh, got all manner of other things going on. Uh, loves 40 cigarettes, loves a drink, loves a swear up, and she's part and parcel of an entire grubby system that has been let down by the government, they've let down the people, they've jumped on the government's general... The, 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 the arguments go on, and right. she's found herself at the... How on earth you've missed all of this? I've got no idea. She's found herself at the centre of debates. She's been on The Bacon Show. She's been on Panorama. She's been on The News. She's been on Loose Wit. She, you name it, she's suddenly been on everything at the moment. So this is a woman that's sort of mostly demonised. Mostly demonised for the kind of lifestyle she leads, or the sort of lifestyle that people have decided she represents. So rightly or wrongly, I, I would say, she's nonetheless become, if you like, the totemic figure of all that is wrong with the United Kingdom. Right. So imagine when asked if she turned up at the benefits office to see if there was work available, as is your duty to do so. She didn't go, but she sent her agent. Wow. That's how bad it's got. When the unemployed are sending their agent to check what's going on down at the welfare office, you know something's gone horribly wrong. I feel like I need to watch this show now. Was it hard? Was it hard to watch? No, it it was in some places. What grabs me by the testiculars on this (laughs) is that... Well, people just have to pull your chain, don't they? That's all they have to do, which uh, starts off, as you know, in in my nose. The sort of Owen Jones and the like kind of mentality is that, you know, this is an outrage, Channel 4 are doing the government's work. And you know, Number one, you don't have to watch it. Number two, any, I, I don't know anybody who thinks that Benefit Street is typical of unemployed people. I've never met a single person who thinks that. I've only heard people like Owen Jones who have said that people think that. Yeah. Which is kind of like the worst kind of scurrilous behaviour, really. Because you're like the rumour merchant in the workplace who says, guess what they said about you. Mm. And in fact, that person never said anything at all. So I don't know anybody who really thinks that Benefit Street represents anything other than Benefit Street. And that's it. You take it on what it is. Uh, but I've heard all manner of conspiracy theories. One guy called us up on the show on LBC. He said to me, he was so incensed by it, he said, and I know something about Benefit Street that I bet you don't know. And I said, what's that? He said, do you know that it was made by to- Tory donors put the money, Conservative Party donors put the money together. Now, Benefit Street costs about three quid to make. Yeah. It's all just handheld stuff larking around in the street. Anyhow, uh, will it be back on? Will I be fronting it with White D? Watch this space. <laughs> Kev. I'm watching it closely. Uh, from Toronto Tony. We have a lot of Canadian A lot people. of Canadians. I don't know why. I wonder how that started. Uh, I'm a nudist. Thanks, Tony. 
And I'm worried that the quality of the once a word beach towel won't be up to scratch, uh. and the print will come off under sweaty conditions. So whilst I like the idea, having Ian Specky Bont tattooed across my arse cheeks may not be the best look. But as long as you get one speck lens into each cheek, I'm happy about that. The trouble is, my nose therefore ends up... <laughs> In fact, if we catch you, we will sue you for copyright. Whole new meaning to the phrase brown nose, really? From Duty Bound, the sound is a pound hound of hilarity. Nice. Last week, you mentioned strange lyrics in nursery rhymes. Did you ever get to the bottom of the grand old Duke of York? Because oh, we talked about that before, didn't we? The pigs. He didn't have pigs. La- last, no, well, you think he didn't have... Okay, so last week we were talking about the, the, the tit one. Yes. But on a previous episode, I've mentioned the pig thing. No, I, I didn't think he had pigs until I heard this. The grand old Duke of York... Ten thousand pigs. They grunted their way to the top of a hill and came down dancing jigs. Well, you just made that because that's not yes, something that's I right. remember. I, I, I heard a recording studio yeah. and several singers to sing the Grand Old Duke of York with a made-up verse. Well, I'm pleased. That's you, how much time I I'm have, pleased man. you admit Kev. that. But, oh yeah. You know, but he, no, as a kid, he had ten thousand men. And again, and his case <laughs> comes up. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> From Kev. From Starry-Eyed Surprise. Starry-Eyed Surprise writes, Ian, as the country's leading political commentator, I was wondering if you could explain what would happen to the state of the UK under a UKIP government. Thanks, Mr. Dale. (laughs) What would happen under a UKIP government? Well, firstly, we would be skint in about half an hour. Right. Because all the rich people are going to get a tax break. All the poor people, including those on minimum wage, are not going to pay any tax at all, which I support, by the way. I mean, at the moment, it's 10 grand. They're going to move it to 12 grand and make sure that anyone on minimum wage doesn't pay a bean uh, in tax. They are going to bring back a grammar school in every town. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think they're going to increase the size of the Royal Navy so there's a boat on every street and every house has its own plane and every... Estate has its own cannon <laughs> and tanks. Right. Oh, it's just utter hogwash. It is such high-octane economic bullshit. You kind of wonder how 4.3 million people even voted that way. I have no truck with somebody having an issue on some of their ma- on their main issue. Mm. Somebody said, look, economically, mathematically, the whole immigration thing just doesn't work in terms of numbers, regardless of colour, religion, etc. I, I get that. Fine. In a democracy, you're allowed to have those discussions, even if some people want to ridicule them, even if some people want to say they're uncomfortable, even if some people want to say, well, what you really mean is this. All of that, it's fine. However, to then try and masquerade as a party that has other policies that anybody is going to vote for is just, frankly, lunacy. And anyone that goes to the ballot box at the general election next year uh, and, and ticks that box, then I really hope you've had a good old read of whatever. Ma- if, if, from what we've heard so far, it's going to be reflective of their manifesto then all I would say is, God help us. God help us, Mr. Farage. But you have to also look at this sort of international scene, because you know the Americans have a tendency to sort of say, Prime Minister Cameron, for example. Yeah. They're not going to go to the trouble of getting his name right, so he's just going to be like, Prime Minister Farage, who sounds yeah. like, so I'm sure he was in episode 79 of Star Trek The Next Generation. I think you're right. And in the same way that you can't ever have a cowboy called Trevor, you can't have a Prime Minister called Nigel. Nigel Farage. Does he ever drink that beer that he's always photographed with? Wasn't his wife concerned about the amount he smokes and drinks? 
Did you read that, or am I making it up? Yeah, I mean, when I used to smoke, I mean, I've had a cigarette or two with him when he used to come into the old station, but not somebody I'd necessarily want to invite round for Sunday dinner. In terms of the drinking, I don't know. I just can't believe he would drink that much. He no. just likes being seen with a pint. Ironically, of course, you did invite him round for Sunday dinner, and he ate all of the roast potatoes, which, you know. Uh, from Jack, via Facebook, please settle an argument for me. Was Elvis Presley really that talented, or was he just a dude with big hair and a curly lip? <laughs> My mate Della reckons he was well worth it. Elvis? Elvis. He was, uh... A well, hero to most, but he never meant sh- to you? That'd be about right. Yeah. And he was probably a bit of a rubbish singer. Was he a good performer? Yes, he was, in the same way that I suppose Marilyn Monroe was a good performer, because there was a point when, particularly now through the conduit of nostalgia, you project a certain something onto people. So you look at Elvis now and you think, wow, this guy was so iconic and so famous that I can't believe I'm even looking at a picture of him in a moving image. Yeah. And you project that onto him. So was he great? Probably. No, he was definitely not the greatest actor, was he? Or Um, singer. Or singer. He was a good, yeah, he was a good looking bloke. That wasn't even his hair colour either. No, I don't think it was. Certainly not now. So he was was kind of like a manufactured thing. I can't believe they would manufacture a pop star. He looked a bit like Lisa Marie Presley, didn't he? He did now you come to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Uncanny. No one mentioned that at the time. That is very strange. Yeah. Finally, Esther from JJ says... Who, by the way, (laughs) can I just say... Yes? So, Lisa Marie Presley. I'm having a conversation with my other half's mum. Right. Who just drops in, not just randomly, but casually, very casually. Lisa Marie Presley comes up and she she just says... Oh, yeah, she she works in the the chip shop in Sussex, doesn't she? Uh, To which we go... What? What? He said, yeah, she works in the chip shop at Sussex. Lewis or somewhere like that. Right. So Elvis Presley's daughter, one would assume one of the richest people in the world, works in a chip shop in Sussex. Well, there was a guy who worked there. Stop it. Sorry. I think I I made that very point. (laughs) She said, no, it's true. Shash, everyone knows her down there. Now, she had got it slightly wrong, but there is a story of, uh, because we Google it, and there was a story on... And we can't Google it right now because we are in a studio where you have no signals. No. And the producers won't allow us a phone for security reasons. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) There is something about her either having a place there or turning up. Now, you say having a place. Do you mean a place? Not a place as in a cod. Oh, okay. Right. (laughs) There is something about her either living there, visiting there, going there regularly or something like that where she's helped out of the chip shop. But then again, we're, we're near a pub. The yeah. Amy Winehouse and R.I.P. and Kirsten Dunst used to serve beers at. That's true, but not every night. Just you know. No, that's right. They were never like employed there. So I don't know whether it's in that capacity. Well, maybe that's our road trip: the search for Elvis's daughter at a chip shop in the Sussex coast. That's exactly where we're going. Try and keep me away, Kev. And finally, finally, Esther uh, Jay says, "Question time is ripping you off." A couple of weeks ago, it was broadcast from Heathrow Airport. Planes go from airports. A plane is a mode of transport. A car is also a mode of transport that pulls a caravan. You did a podcast from a caravan. Bastards. That's an excellent point, really. Yeah, I like that. We can't go on together with suspicious satellites. I'm going to go. Ah. Oh, we haven't done one of these for a while. It's random acts of irrational satisfaction. They are the little things in life that make you go... Yeah, that. Oh, just doesn't that just feel when you hear that? You straight away know what it means. It makes me feel festive, almost. It, yeah, it's got that kind of thing. You know, just stuff in life that isn't necessarily that important. 
It's not a game changer, but they're little things that make you feel nice and warm in the pit of your belly and make you feel very satisfied. Kev, what have you got? I have two. Garden paint. Now, there's such a thing as garden paint. Okay. I don't know if... Because it used to be paint was, like, confined to your house or doors or whatever. Yeah, mostly. But now there's a whole range of paints for the garden and a whole bunch of different uh, hues and colours. What, is it made of something different? I think it's more, it more weather-resistant. But I, I got some, because I, I had this old table, which was a bit... I mean, it's one of those things. We talk about it raining all the time, and, you know, iPhone weather not telling you when it is, and the weather men telling, not telling you when it's raining. Bitty McLean was a man who knew. It's raining, it's raining. I wonder if anyone's ever met Bitty McLean. The thing was, I got some garden paint because there was this old table which was knackered, and uh, I thought, you know what? I'll, I was going to throw it away. It was in the pile of stuff to get thrown away. Yeah. Which did down you, at the dump? Well, well, it's going to go to the dump, but first it's going to lie in the garden for four and a half months just to sort of, you know, settle. four and a half years, yeah, usually. yeah, just to settle a bit. Um, so I thought, well, I'll get some paint for this. So I got some of this nice weatherproof paint, this blue stuff, and I uh, I painted this this nice sort of deep blue, and I thought that looks really good. I, I found that very satisfying. So satisfying, in fact, I started looking around the garden to see what else I could paint. I was incredibly satisfied just going around painting everything in the garden a nice shade of a sort of deep blue, including next door's cat. <laughs> now, hang on. No, but, but, to, but to be clear <laughs> on this, to be clear on this, I know that people do get offended when you talk about cats. So just to say, I'm only joking. It was green. Hey, is there a rub off warning? Pardon me? Well, because a lot of that stuff stays on for, a, what you know, if you touch it afterwards. I once had a guy moved into a house at an old fireplace. Right. And the fireplace was dirty. And he said, oh, I'm bringing it up a treat. Said, really? <laughs> Can you really? Because right. we, you know, we've looked at everything and we don't quite know how to do it. We, it's not worth anything, but it looks all right. And it's one of those things that most places have ripped out these sort of fireplaces. I'd like to keep it. Went, now nah, bring it right up. So... Uh, off we go, we come back, and there was, looking at us, this beautifully restored fireplace. It looked amazing. Yeah. And I said, wow, that's incredible. And I went to go near it. He went, don't touch it. And he went, you can't touch it. I said, what? Oh, was it got it, like, dry? He went, no, not really. He said, you just you can't, can't touch it. I said, what? Can't ever touch it. He went, no. Was this guy MC Hammer? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what have you painted it with? He said, gun oil. What? Gun oil. This is a man in the East End, by the way. Gun right. oil. And he'd coated it with gun oil, which gives it a lovely kind of dark, well, a completely midnight black look. Right. And it looks stunning, and there's a slight shine to it. However, if you touch it, uh, it looks like you've shoved your hand up a chimney. Oh. It was ridiculous. So I was wondering about the... That's why I asked about what the rub-off difficulties are. Yes, you've got to be careful. You do have to be careful. Because otherwise, you'll sit, what will happen is you'll sit down on one of the chairs, you go, oh, this is a nice blue chair, and you'll discover you have the you know the imprint of a blue chair on your uh, anus. Tell you what, when I get home, I'll give it a good rub, and I'll let you know. I think you should. Uh, and the other one is, um, you know, there's always this thing where um, supermarkets don't tend to have wide enough doors if you've got a trolley or something, because especially there's people in front of you. And there's always somebody who may not necessarily be old or infirm, but is just moving incredibly slowly. And they're in your way, and you try and move the trolley one way, and they're in front of you, and you move it the other, and they're in front of you. You know what I'm talking about. One of my acts of satisfaction would be when that person slowly meanders through the door 
and the alarm goes off. <laughs> so then they get hauled back by the security guard, and everyone's looking, oh, what have they nicked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a good moment, that, isn't it? And it turns out they nicked a blender, so they're also going Seriously, to prison. Seriously, they're yeah. going to jail for yeah. blender crimes. Um, here's, uh, well, here's a couple as well. Um, again, it's a garden theme. It must be the summer thing that we've picked up must on here be. without realising it. Um Jet washing or pressure washing the path. Oh, yes. Yes. I think there is, there is nothing like realising that that shitty pathway is, in fact, paved with clean intentions. <laughs> it's a lovely, a lovely moment when one discovers the driveway has been resuscitated. Yes. You think, for, you think that's never going to... I'll have to... In fact, we were even considering relaying the path out the back. Yeah, because... It looks so grubby. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's not moved into there very long. What are we going to do about that grubby path out the back? Oh, God. Just, just get some slabs from B&Q, lay them on top. They'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I thought, no, actually, I'm going to go pressure bound. Ah, oh, the great pressure washers. Oh, I cleaned that <laughs> builder. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you a question about this thing. Yes. With your pressure washer, did you, you did you do the, you know, writing your name in the dirt? Just Everything. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah, it's like yeah. peeing in the snow, isn't yes, it? Yes, really? exactly, yeah. yeah. Told the woman next door to... F- Oh, that's just she was peeking out of her window. You should have shot her. I did all of that, yes. With your washer, not with a gun. Yeah, how high can you go with that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, does she live in a castle or something? Uh, No, but what I mean is, how is it effective up to it? Like, can you clean your own windows at the top? Or do you just put the pane through? (laughs) You just smash the (laughs) f*** out of your own windows. (laughs) Here's a good idea. It it has got DIY disaster written all over it. I know know what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean my own gutters. I tell you what, they're very easy to find out. That's two bits of homework for us. <laughs> when when we get home, I'll have a rub and you smash them in. Yeah, right? that's a good idea. I like the idea of some guttering just flying across South London. What's going on? <laughs> it's just Collins. He's just jet washing the house. Jet washing is what? House. The other thing, I'm going to throw this in here as well. Random acts of satisfaction. And this really is what you call first world problem. That's thinking you've run out of Nespresso capsules only to discover another tube in the cupboard. Ah, Lovely moment. There you go. Uh, Mike Higgs says, My run out of rational satisfaction is the moment you realise that your favourite shirt is not in the wash after all, but hanging beautifully crisp and ready to go in the wardrobe. Nice moment. That is nice. Do you remember how frustrating that was as a kid? We discovered that your favourite pair of jeans was in the wash. It was a horrible moment. Favourite T-shirt was in the wash. What are you going to do? Mum, where's that? T- it's in the w- in the wash. No, I put it in the wash 18 weeks ago. No, you didn't. You put it in there yesterday. Mm. But then I'm pretty sure you're very, you know, you'll you'll wash your clothes or have your maid do it and then your butler will hang them up immediately. I tend to take a few few days to let them, you know, settle and breathe some air before I hang them up. I like that idea. By just leaving them in a basket. Jay, the Cooler Shaker fan club vice president says... <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, me. Uh, how about this? Keeping a cold caller on the line for a full half an hour while I watched an episode of Entourage. <laughs> I simply said to the random broadband vendor, could you hang on a moment? I then watched the programme while sitting on my sofa. When I went back, they were still there. Marvellous. Yeah, I once had some uh, call centre call me about whatever it was. And before she could get into the blurb or whatever the hell it was she was selling, I just said, I'm just in the garden. Do you think? I should put the bushes on the left or the right. And she, I'm sorry, sir. And then went into this whole dialogue and dis- mm-hmm. fairly descriptive conversation about the layout of this garden, which, by the way, I didn't even have at the time. I just invented a set of garden-based horticultural problems and issues 
to throw to. She stayed on for about 10 minutes. There is a point where they will think, hang on, this could be crazy enough that this is the big sale. Yeah, but, but they're the, kind of onto you a bit now. But that's you all over, isn't it, really? Just messing around with people on the phone. It's kind of... You could do it for a living. But more to the point, point, and we may have mentioned this in the early days of this podcast, when I was around your house and we were drinking like a 24-pack of Cronenberg, <laughs> and we thought, because it's got a number on the side saying, if you've enjoyed this beer, phone up and tell us. So we did. And of course, you forgot about it because you were sozzled, and then three days later, a woman from Cronenberg phones you up and says, oh, thanks very much, we like our beer too. Very strange. Well, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Did they send us any? No, we didn't. I think you angled for some, and they just laughed. Uh, Mabel Cockworthy says, <laughs> Hello, Ian, remember me? Um, I get satisfied by watching Pointless. In the same way that Horlicks signifies the end of the night, Alexander Armstrong is a sign that the day is over. <laughs> Lovely. I have never seen it. I know of it. I've never seen it. You remember how, as a kid... Kind of, there was all those kids' TV shows and certain ones. So you'd have John Craven's News Round, which would be followed by Blue Peter, and then it would be followed by something like Willow the Wisp or Paddington. But that little era yeah, yeah. of sort of strange animation or kid stuff, I can't even think of any of the others, but it was the Willow the Wisp era. It was that kind of time. Gotcha. So they would play, uh, it was a five or ten minute thing, and it would come right at the end of children's TV. Ludwig. Ludwig. The musical egg. Was that then? Was that that time? I think it was. Remember the mole? Yeah, Just I remember the mole. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> they were all kind of Czechoslovakian animation, though. Cheap, wasn't it? But well, no, the Wisp wasn't so cheap, of course. Kenneth Williams and, and others. No, it was just him, I think. It's just, it was yeah, just it Kenneth was just Williams. Him. Yeah, it did everything. That signified the uh, there was de- there was a divide there, wasn't there? Was, even in the minds of a young child, there was a moment when you thought, OK, Will of the Wisp, so that means that something has finished. And therefore, uh, the evening is about to start. So my time is now over. I'm now in that kind of territory. This is last chance saloon territory. Yeah. Because now we're going into the evening. That's going to mean in about half an hour, someone's going to run. A voice is going to randomly go, dinner. And we're going to go and eat dinner somewhere. And then like half an hour after that, it's going to be, you know, get ready for bed. And then half an hour after that, you're going to be in bed. So, yeah, I know where she's coming from. Yeah. So on the credits of Pointless... You know what they do now with credits? They kind of disappear into one corner because another program is advertised. Yeah. Uh, well, what they now do is the program that's advertised, the Pointless titles, the credits come up, Alexander Russell goes, that's it from us on Pointless, uh, goodbye, and that bloke, I think his name is Richard, uh, seems like a very clever man, quite a nice fella, he goes, yeah, bye as well, and all the credits come up, and then that goes into one corner, and then George Alagaya pops out on the other and goes, coming up on the news at six o'clock, and then he reads the headlines. Yeah. And I'm thinking, George, don't read the headlines. Spoilers. Wait, yeah. it is it's a spoiler of your own show. I love the news because I wait for the sort of the, the bongs or the bong, equivalent bong. of, you know, whatever yeah. it is, because I want to know what the headlines are. I don't want somebody telling me the headlines before. On that basis, you might have just put them on during Willow the Wisp. Here's my question. Though. Given technology and given how wonderful everything is now, you know, you're talking about the credits when they shrink into a corner. And I think most BBC shows do that now. Have you noticed the jump? You know when that's going to happen, because just before it does, the, the credits jump a little bit, right. and then they go into the corner. Ah. Now, a friend of mine who works in TV told me that there's a technical reason for that, and it has to do with uh, frame mm-hmm. or something like that. But you would think with all the technology, you could at least have a smooth transition into the corner. But watch for that little jump next time you're waiting for George to spoil the news. Surely there's a better way of doing it, though. Surely all you do is Alexander Armstrong starts speaking and going, and that's it from this week's episode of Pointless. And as he's doing that, his voice goes down. The Doctor Who TARDIS music kicks in, and he 
morphs into George Allagaya, just the head. Nice. And goes, and join me in a few moments' time, where you can find out why the River Thames has flooded. You can also discover why uh, President Obama is not giving money to the people of Oklahoma. And also, Prince William is in New Zealand. And then goes back to Alexander going, goodbye. That's nice. They should consider that for uh, for the Christmas uh, Christmas mm-hmm. new special. Although when... now that Sandy Toxvik is back with 15 to oh, 1. So I believe, yeah. yeah. And I don't know how that would work if you started putting George Allagaya's face on Sandy Toxvik's <laughs> body. <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> yes, I know they're on different channels. Don't write in. And you know, I like to flatter you. I mean, your taste is obviously impeccable, and you know what you want from life, which is exactly why you should be driving a Mitsubishi Shogun. And the good news is, you can now save up to £5,000 on this ultimate 4x4, with prices starting from just 26199 and 0% finance available across the range. You've just got to check it out for yourself. Pop by mitsubishi-cars.co.uk slash shogun for some very special offers. Shogun, always capable, surprisingly affordable. <laughs> right, here's the other very exciting thing about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this. Oh, get God. you, butler. Beer! 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 Really? Is it that time already? Andre! See you next... Oh, sorry. Andre! Beer! Uh, proper beer. Now, lager's all very well. We all like a drop of lager. All right. But nothing beats good old man's ale for suggestive names you could hang your penis on. <laughs> or in your case, just the chain. So here are some. And all I need to know from you, Ian Collins, is... Yeah? Are these beer names real or are they made up? So it's real ale or real fail. Just tell me true or false. Okay. Big butt... Doppelbock. Uh, Big butt Doppelbock is a. Uh, it's a true. It's it's true. It does exist. I can tell you, it's from the Bock family of beers. Good. The Bock family. Happy ending Imperial Stout exists. That's correct. Yes. Have you had a spot of happy ending? No. <laughs> nipple Mountain Nip. That's Nipple Mountain Nip. I'm going f- false. <laughs> That's true. Stop it. It exists. We're going to get some in, some nipple mounted nip. I like it. Here's another. Cock Puncher IPA. Is false. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Dog's bollocks. That's false. It's true. You know we get these real ales. The real ales will be there. Don't get that in Weatherspoons. Well, you probably did, but it would have been like dogs, bees, star, star. Yeah. Tim doesn't like to upset. He's a funny one, old Tim, isn't he? Really? There's a haircut going on, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, he's a giant Australian with a haircut. Is he Australian? Or a Kiwi. South African? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> he, he, one he, of those yeah. Antipodean one, places. One of them. He, um, he's, uh, yeah, but he's always, because I used to enjoy, if you, if you went to Witherspoon, the, the Witherspoon News. Which was a, a, but it would show you all of the staff that have new branches and openings, and it would, every time a branch opened, uh, Tim Martin, as I think his name was, would be there smiling with his tie on and his well, giant. His name's not hair. Tim Witherspoon. No, uh, but he it's named his teacher, isn't it? It is his teacher. Yeah, you see, you've read the Witherspoon news as well. Yeah, yeah, that's all that information's in yes, there. Yeah. And then you know, and uh, and Egon Roney used to select the food. Apparently, is that right? Yeah. Burger and chips, Egon Roney style. But Tim used to be in there, and it, you know, like the um. 
the Stout Warden or in uh, in Bellariki would open, and he'd be there with the staff of the Stout Warden uh, and the manager in training. I like that. Give us a call, Tim. You can come on any time. Why does Egon Roney sound like rhyming slang for something I don't know what? <laughs> of course, a bit of Egon Roney, isn't it? Isn't that a terrible anagram? Here's another. Camel Toe Pale Ale. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. What? There is a Camel Toe Serious? Pale Ale. You see, you should stay away from your, your shiny lagers. You might be right. Apologies in advance for Golden Shower Imperial Pilsner. False. <laughs> it's true. They're all true. I didn't say that. That's um, that's a, a, a lovely drop, as I understand it. Okay. Uh, this one's a barley ale yeah. called Donkey Punch. That's uh, got to be true. It is true. Is it? And finally, yeah. Ginger Tosser. Oh, that's definitely true. Uh, it is true. Apparently, it came out in the 90s uh, and was inspired by a certain ginger television presenter. Really? That's the one. Okay. Uh, thank you, Kev. Oh, guess what? Credit stream. And oh, what a beautiful feeling. <laughs> we come right to the very end, but only of this particular episode, of course, because we're back in a week. Love it. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, by the way. They are Mitsubishi Motors in the UK. If you Google uh, Mitsubishi Motors UK, you can find out all manner of data relating to some four-wheel beauties. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and would like to help support this podcast, get over to iTunes to rate, review, and this is important, subscribe. If you're an Android user, try us on the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Tunes, in-show tunes for speeches plus Shepardo. <laughs> Can I book you for a voiceover session? I think you should. Tunes, uh, in-show feature and sponsor tunes were by Kevin McLeod at Competech. He does fabulous work. He does. I like him. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, by the way, and any of our guests that you've heard tonight, all of them, then it's at once a word. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you listen to this in the morning, they're still the same guests. I'll tell you what as well. Or the afternoon. If you want to laugh, follow Andre on Twitter, at Andre J. Porch. Hey, that's a good idea. Who, by the way, was our technical operator. Thanks to our producers, uh, editors, and all of uh, the rest of it. Also, our work experience, and as ever, the in-show catering, was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shop. We're back in what is commonly known as a week's time, which we're very excited about. There's a whole bunch of things going on on that particular show. We've had to draw in an extra team of folk from the other podcast... Who've come in to, to assist us on this? That's how ah. that's how busy it's going to be. We're erecting scaffolding for this particular production. So find out why that might be the case in exactly a week's time. Until that precise moment, goodbye. A big things media production. Big things. It's another Ian Collins once a word fact, powered by the Mitsubishi ASX. The new car smell is composed of 50 different elements. The new Mitsubishi ASX smells lovely and is yours from just £14,999. That's nothing to sniff at. I'm so hungry I could eat my own earwax. And we all know how horrid that tastes. Right, kids?